Holy Spirit. Amen. Well, I'm sure that you are quite aware by now of the fabulously wealthy man who, when he feared he might be slipping in the polls during an election, stooped to divisive, ugly rhetoric and fear-mongering, attempting to divide people along religious and ethnic lines. I'm sure you know who I'm talking about. Of course, I'm talking about Zach Goldsmith, who just yesterday lost the race for mayor for London to Sadiq Khan, the first Muslim to lead a major Western city. If you haven't heard this story, Mr. Goldsmith, son of a billionaire, seemed confident that he would win this mayoral race. But when he found that he had a real challenger in Mr. Khan, son of a London bus driver and a moderate Muslim, Goldsmith stooped to accusations that Khan's religion somehow put him on the side of terrorists. Fortunately, voters saw through these hateful attacks. And as the new mayor said, London has today chosen hope over fear. Unfortunately, the tactic of scapegoating others, focusing on their race, their religion, their gender, or sexual identity, as a way to make them seem outcasts is not a new phenomenon. When we are afraid, afraid of losing something, like an election, or a job, or our status in society, when we are afraid, afraid of violence and crime, when we are afraid, afraid for our future or for our children, when we are afraid, we humans don't tend to act very well. We lash out. We blame others. We stoop to attacking differences rather than attacking the real problem. We see this in our own political system too often in our discussions of immigration, the economy, even these days in our discussions of bathrooms and who gets to use which ones. And we see it 2,000 years ago in the book of Acts. Paul and Silas are still in Macedonia after having met and baptized Lydia and her family, which we heard about last Sunday. And as they are out walking around, they meet a, a girl kept as a slave because she has a spirit that allows her to tell other people's fortunes, which makes her owners a very tidy living. The spirit in the girl that allows her to tell the future, allows to tell fortunes, also allows her to recognize the truth of who Paul and Silas are. And the girl follows them around yelling, these men are slaves of the most high God who proclaim to you a way of salvation. These men are slaves of the most high God. Well, she's right, of course. But she's also quite annoying. 
Finally, Paul can't take it anymore. She's really getting in the way. And he orders the spirit to come out of her, which it does. And that's when the fear-mongering starts. A slave girl without the spirit of fortune-telling doesn't bring in much money. In fact, the owners see that all hope of profiting from her is gone, and they are furious. So furious that they resort to xenophobia and anti-Semitism, dragging Paul and Silas before Roman officials, not for depriving them of their livelihood, though. Instead, they accuse them of being politically subversive and dangerous of threatening the state. These men are disturbing our city, they accuse. They are Jews, and they are advocating customs that are not lawful for us as Romans. And what happens next? The crowd turns into a violent mob attacking those perceived as outsiders. The crowd strips them of their clothes, beats them, throws them into jail. Fear has won again. Fear has turned into scapegoating, which turns into violence. Paul and Silas, Roman citizens, by the way, as well as Jews, were seeking merely to spread the good news of hope and mercy and new life, and they are now branded as threats to the state, just as Jesus was. And how do Paul and Silas, how do Paul and Silas respond? They respond by praying and singing while they are imprisoned. And all the prisoners listen to them, receiving encouragement from their song and their prayers and their great faith leads to an earthquake so violent that all the doors are opened and everyone's chains are loosed. You see, faced with violence and fear in prison where they had every right to be afraid, Paul and Silas sing. And they sing, they sing because that is what Christians do in the face of fear and worry. Fear does not control us, brothers and sisters. That doesn't mean we don't feel it, but it does not control us. We are slaves of the Most High God, and what controls us is hope. And so they sing in hope, and when they are freed, they do not run away because they know what will happen to the jailer if all the prisoners disappear. He will be killed. So Paul and Silas stay in their prison cell And when the jailer wakes up and sees the prison doors open, he fears all the prisoners have fled, so he draws his sword in terror to kill himself because he has been dishonored and because he knows what his punishment will be. But Paul stays his hand, shouting, Do not harm yourself, for we are all here. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. For this jailer, an oppressor, and an oppressive system, this behavior makes no sense at all. He falls down trembling before Paul and Silas. This behavior makes no sense to the jailer, but it makes sense to us. 
They stay and they save him because that is what Christians do in the face of fear and worry and pain, our own and the pain of others. You see, fear does not control us. Oh, we might feel it, but it doesn't control us. We are slaves of the Most High God, and what controls us is love. And for love of God and for love of jailer, Paul and Silas remain prisoners in order to free their captor. And when the jailer asks, sir, what must I do to be saved? He's asking how he can avoid being killed, but Paul knows he's asking a much, much bigger question, a question we're all dying to know the answer to. How can I be saved so I'm not a prisoner of fear? How can I be saved from a meaningless life? How can I be saved from anger and judgment and despair, my own, others? And Paul, Paul, who knows what it is to have been an oppressor, knows what it is to be a prisoner to hatred and anger and judgment, for that's what he was before he began to follow Jesus. Paul looks at the jailer and he says, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. And then they go home and they have church together. The jailer takes them in, he serves them by washing their wounds, and then they baptize him and their family, and then they break bread together, and they all rejoice because there are new believers. Paul and Silas could have turned on their Gentile oppressors. They could have allowed fear to rule them. They could have escaped prison, leaving the jailer to sort out his fate the best that he could. They could have led the other prisoners in a revolt. Instead, instead, they befriend their captor. They share the most precious thing they have with him, their faith in and knowledge of Jesus Christ. They share the trademarks of what it means to be Christian. Hope and love, mercy and freedom. Paul and Silas befriend their captor. They love him and his family. They baptize him. They break bread with him. They rejoice with him because that is what Christians do in the face of fear and difference. That's what we do. Fear does not control us. We feel it, yes, yes, we feel it. But it does not direct our lives. It should not direct our lives. We are slaves of the Most High God and serving God makes us ultimately free. Serving God makes us free. The gospel liberates us to love, liberates us to reach out to others, even if it means risking our very selves frees us so that we might free others. The way of the world is too often the way of fear. 
The way of the world is blaming others for things that have gone wrong or that we fear will go wrong. The way of the world is to protect myself and to hell with everyone else. But that's not our way. That's not our way. It's not our way because we have been made free in Christ the truth that sets us free. And Paul himself writes over and over in his letters about the freedom that we have in Christ. Where the spirit of the Lord is, he writes, there is freedom. He tells us you were called to freedom. Through love, serve one another. Beloved, I know sometimes you are afraid. I am too. Fear is a powerful, powerful emotion and it leads to others like anxiety and worry and anger. These feelings are natural but they are not to control us for we follow Christ, the one whom we hear praying for us in today's gospel, praying that we know God loves us just as Jesus, just as he loves Jesus, that we will be one as Jesus and the Father are one. And Jesus prays that the world will come to believe not because we have the best ideas, but because of how we love one another, how we sacrifice for and serve one another, which is how Jesus loves us. So it's easy to give in to fear in London or in Indianapolis. It's easy to give in to anger, to judgment, to blame, but beloved, we have been set free from fear, liberated by the good news of God in Christ, given hope in the resurrection, and we must live that way. We must live that way. For the world, our neighbors are watching us. And we must love one another so that others may come to believe and be freed too. Amen.